Hello and welcome to episode 124 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. We are back once again, amigo, to having a fan on the show. This week's guest is going to be Mario Ruben Monroy, Mariachi M-A-M-A. You know him at Monroy 10 on social media, and you most notably will recognize him for sharing that beautiful sombrero with none other than Mamadou Fall. Joining us as our opponent correspondent this week, it's going to be Bob Benemilia joining us from I-80 Sports Podcast and at I-80 underscore sports to get us ready for all things New Jersey energy drinks. As always, my name is Jonathan Reimer and joining me this evening, Christopher Signs. What up, dude? What up? What up, though? Christian Aparicio will be back and the trifecta will be complete next week, but he still is recovering from COVID, bro. We're with you, man. Best and sincerest well wishes to that Aparicio family. Brother, you excited to finally have a fan back on the show? It's taken far too long. Yeah, dude. I think that, honestly, when we look at some of the amazing guests that we've had on this show, I really enjoy having everyday fans on because, one, it opens up the personal lives of everyday people that are just like you and me. These are people that we're going to run into. You know, like we might have front office personnel, but we don't run into them that often. The fans that come on, these are the people that you can have an everyday conversation with. You develop an actual friendship and a bond with. And there's so many people that, you know, Lenny, Lonzi, right? The king and queen, Tony, Hernandez, right? Like we just run into these people at all these events. And these are extended family, lifelong friends. You just go down the list over and over. Sal from Lucky's. The list can go on. The list can go on and on and on. It's totally, and just Joseph Zachary, like, it's just, that's the best part of this. The best part of this is getting to see these people, getting to know them, and just building that friendship network over and over and over. Yeah, super stoked to have Mario come on and rep some Empire Boys for us today. Shouts to all the homies out in the IE. First and foremost, though, brother, before we get into our interview today, we got some news and notes. We got a game to recap. LAFC draws 1-1 up north. In Lumen Field versus Seattle, there was a wacky lineup that came out prior to the game that finally got some clarification later on. But, you know, we had talked about it in our preview show about wanting to send the entire Las Vegas Lights roster up there. And then lo and behold, Danny Trejo gets signed and sent up there and ends up getting some minutes and making a debut for this season. And uh, we got to see Vela come in as a halftime sub, a, a pretty peculiar lineup to begin the day was a Raito list lineup with with very little explanation until till after the fact that he was dealing with some potential green card application issues and that's why he couldn't make the match and we saw Cripo have yet another terrible mistake playing the ball out the back towards the direction of one Ilya Sanchez that gets scooped up and put in and just when it looked like Seattle was going to be able to shut it down and ride out to a 1-0 victory our boy Danny Trejo gets a cross in that somehow finds the head of Arango, and it somehow finds its way into the back of the net in just a brilliant strike. And we end up crawling out of a hard-fought game in which both teams had some decent opportunities. Both keepers stepped up on the shots, just maybe not max so much on the distribution, but we walk away with one point. So, Chris, my friend, are you happy with the performance up there? Are you happy with one point on the road? And what did you think of that wacky lineup we saw? You know me. The general optimist looking at the whole body of work, bro. You got to look at the whole body of work. So 
Seattle is a tough opponent. You have to give credit where credit is due. They are lower in the standings because they sacrificed regular season matches so that they could be in position to win the Conca champions, which they did. So they're a strong team. And just like we had Jackson Feltz on last week to give us that preview, even the Seattle fan base is not necessarily worried about their position right now to be in the playoff run. And I think that everybody would agree, if not make an argument for that Seattle is a Western Conference Finals contender. That pitch is terrible. The stadium is loud. And it's an away match. It's the first game back since the international break. So the body of work, dude, the whole picture. Yes, I am very happy with a one-point takeaway. Would I have liked three points? Of course. But I also could see a scenario in which Seattle would have gotten all three points because Seattle is that type of team, especially at their home field. Is there not the argument to be made that you could also see the scenario where Max doesn't play the poor pass out the back and we win one nil? Of course, of course. But at the same time too, you know, hindsight being 2020, if you, you know, were to tell me before the match started, Hey, that's going to end in a one-one tie. I'd be like, yeah, dude, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's it, it, to me, it's about taking a point on the road and getting three at home. Those are how you stay consistent and win in the long run. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fundamental rule: three at home, one on the road. Right? That's what that's what winning teams find ways to do more often than not. I, I think if again, if you take the bird's eye view of this game and you just say, you know, look, we went up to Seattle face the CONCACAF championship side team and walked away with a point on the road, then, then yes, you're going to check the boxes as the game being a positive. However, I mean, I would say there was some performance throughout the game. I, I don't think either of our outside backs perform well in this game. All three of them at any point in time, they were in the game. I, I still have some very real concerns about what we are doing at outside back. As far as depth within this roster, there's some concerns for me there. I don't think that the Opoku Mazowski Trejo connection is really there yet. There were a lot of opportunities where they just weren't finding each other in the right moments or in big opportunities. We're not getting a great shot off. And there was obviously, you know, look, the, the poor pass out the back by Max, you know, a couple other opportunities we had that, that fell short, that if you look at the minutia of it can be very frustrating. And, and I could see how LAFC fans are disappointed, but again, you go on the road, you're facing a CONCACAF championship side squad that's now once again focused on the table and you're able to walk away with a point, that's that's something to be happy about. And so uh, I'm with you on that one. Any, any final thoughts on uh, the Danny Trejo debut or anything that transpired in that game before we move on? Well, so I'm a big fan of the number 31. So finally, an LAFC player is wearing number 31. Uh, you know, I don't know how many more times we're going to see Danny Trejo in, in an LAFC uniform this season, but I thought that that was pretty cool. You know, especially CSUN alum, CSUN big university by my house growing up. So that was, well, I feel like a little, little like hometown local feels, even though he was like, wasn't he born in like Fresno or Modesto or something like that? He's not true blue San Fernando Valley represent, but you know. He's got his rights. He's got his, his bragging rights. His, he's got his CSUN card. But uh, no, it was good for him. I was happy to see. You know, I think like, we've seen this, the mistake from Max Maxime Cropot. Uh, this is, I think, the second time this season that there's been a mistake. 
I think that when you look at all the positives that he brings to this side, it's still well worth it to me. These miscommunication mishaps are few and far between. I mean, what are we on? We're like on match day 15 or 16, right? I think we're coming up on 16, match day 16. So in 16 matches, he's had two arduous passing errors. Like, come on, bro. Like, I think that and he's playing on a brand new team, right? A team that he came into pretty last minute in a short offseason as well, too. You know, if he were three, four years into this system and this squad and making mistakes like that, I think we'd be pulling our hair out. But, you know, still less than half a season into playing with a new team. Mistakes like this are going to happen. Am I frustrated that it's happened a second time this season and that the coaching staff hasn't figured out a way to get on the same page there? Sure. But. You know, look, and I know a lot of people on the broadcast were blaming Ilya Sanchez for this, which I don't at all. I put it on max 100%. But, you know, if it's early in the season, I'd rather figure out that these are issues now and address them now. That way we don't have to deal with mistakes like this come postseason. Perhaps it's good to sort of exercise these demons now and get it out of the way. And I'd much rather it happen in a 1-1 draw to Carson. Let us not forget one pass from Andre Horta basically essentially ended his black and gold career so you know it could have been under worse circumstances as well too so again as long as we're moving forward and learning from it i'm okay with it i thought trey hill played a pretty good game you know a lot of nerves making your debut coming out and playing on turf and then of course he played like 24 hours later he was with las vegas down in san diego put in shifts on back-to-back nights uh Kid's going to be a beast, and I'm really excited to see his development. I think, like we always say with all young talent on this team, we want to see them grow. We want to see them excel. We want to see them join this team and be the best. And if they move on in their career somewhere else and continue to excel, that's only good things for us. So I'm happy with Danny Trejo. And I think that about wraps it up for this game. Hats off to all the LAFC folks that went up there, had themselves some Beecher's flagship cheese. I saw lots of posts online about people watching fish get thrown around and having coffee and having a good old time up in Seattle. So hats off to everyone who went up there and repped the black and gold and happy that we came home with a point. So with that, let's go ahead and move on to the big bombshell that dropped this week. Apple has purchased the 10 years of streaming rights for all MLS broadcasts beginning next season and running through 2033. There will be no blackouts. Season ticket holders will get it for free. Uh, It is going to be sold as an additional package within Apple TV. So you would need an Apple TV subscription and then the MLS package in addition to that. So that's huge news. Every single MLS game available without blackouts, all in one streaming service. And I believe it is worldwide beginning next season. There is the one big caveat and downside to this deal, which we are going to dive into sneak peek on next week's episode of the potential that there will be no more local broadcasters and no more pre and post game show in this new deal. Sounds like Apple is going to hire a small team of their own broadcasters to call these games, and they will be doing a live whip around style desk. That'll be the pre and post game for each of these games as they come in and out of a common desk, which is going to be interesting uh, to say the least to see how that transpires with especially so much talent around our black and gold production week in and week out, both from our LAFC team and our friends over at 110 football as well. And I know we're all wishing that they still get to be part of our game day experience, but to what extent we'll have to find out later, but 
Chris, what are your initial thoughts of this monster, monster deal with Apple? I'm an Apple person. Uh, I have all my products for Apple. So that's extremely convenient for me. The ability to be able to watch all of the matches in English is going to be really convenient for me. And not having to sit here and, and look for where it's going to be at or look on the Twitter post to see wh- what are the different options. The Athletic had just come out with an article and the whole thing about local broadcast is not a done deal guaranteed thing as of yet. It seems like there's still like negotiation room to try and figure that out. And it might be like a simultaneous cast, but you know, either way, it's definitely not as big of a opportunity to have the, the unique local feel especially like some of the stuff that we've done here at LAFC I think it's cool that season ticket holders get it for free it just makes me wonder how is Apple going to because it's a huge number right it's what is it it's it's 250 million dollars a year for the next 10 years so a healthy chunk of change it's a lot of money and you know Apple wouldn't have made this deal if they didn't think they were going to earn their money back and uh, I was listening to Counterattack on Sirius XM FC and they were talking about how after a certain amount of subscriptions then the league starts getting paid back some of the money after a certain amount of subscriptions but it's like but if you're giving season ticket holders the package for free I mean I don't know you know it seems like the viewership numbers for the MLS has been dropping or it's just not consistently high and you know, if you're going to give it to most season ticket holders, I would think that most season ticket holders are only going to utilize it on away matches. Half of the people that are fans of the teams are, you know, the half that are the home fans are probably going to be at the game. So they're not going to be watching it and they're not paying for it anyways. I just, I don't know where Apple's business model is going to come through it and how they're going to get their memberships, you know, because I would think that most of the people that are fans of, of their club, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to work financially. I mean, I think when you look at other L.A. sports teams, right, like take the Dodgers, for instance, and I know LAFC does not have the same audience as the Dodgers, but it has been a big deterrent how difficult it has been over the course of the past few seasons to watch Dodgers games. And if you speak to people in their front office, they'll tell you it has absolutely been a challenge that they're trying to overcome when fans of the team have not been able to watch it. And when you look at our current black and gold community and MLS as a whole, it's you never know what service is going to be carrying the game. If it's going to be in English or in Spanish, am I even going to be able to watch it this week? That makes it really hard to grow and develop a fan base. But when you have one outlet to go and watch every single game, I think that's incredibly beneficial to try and expand. Because look at if if LAFC only have the 22 to 24,000 people supporting this team that fit inside Bank of California, that's not enough for this to be a successful franchise. They need millions of people across the globe that are fans of the black and gold, far beyond what fits in our stadium. And to know that there is one place that every fan can go to find every broadcast, I'm ecstatic about that. And if we end up getting to keep the likes of the Maxes, the Vinces, the Mark Rogandinos, all of the stuff that's being put out by Connor and the folks of 110 Football, if we get to keep all that as well, too, in addition to having it all in one specific location, then I'm ecstatic. But uh, having seen the Apple broadcast for certain games so far, both in the world of soccer and outside the world of soccer, 
I have not been crazy about Apple's broadcast teams that they've put together so far for baseball games and other things. And I'm really hoping that we get the quality and caliber of commentating that you get when you're dealing with an in-house person. We are so blessed here in the MLS to have so many amazing people doing play-by-play and color commentary for us across this league. And the quality of the content when that person is living in that locker room and clubhouse week in and week out is never going to be replicated by someone who's calling five games a day from a central broadcast studio. There's just no way that that person is going to be able to have as intimate and up-to-date a knowledge as a person who's walking the stadium and speaking to all kinds of people that are involved in the club at various different levels. And that's what really separates a home broadcast from a national broadcast. And if all the games just become national broadcasts, then I do think we as the fans lose out a big piece of that experience that comes from having someone who's working with that team day in and day out. And I really hope Apple figure that out between now and the start of their broadcast term. Uh, and we get some of that quality content, but uh, that's my two cents on it. Sorry for a bit of a tirade there, Amigo. It's hard because, you know, you take a sports bar, for example, most of the time in a sports bar, you don't even have the broadcasters on, you know? And I think that there's a lot of people that are kind of conditioned to watching sports games as like background noise that aren't intently listening to the actual broadcasters. And so that not to take away from anything from any of the broadcasters that we have, I love our broadcasters and I would prefer to have to listen to them anyways. But I think that there's a, a large community of people that don't really feel that a broadcaster like Max versus a broadcaster who's just another guy in a suit who talks about soccer like, I don't know if they would be able to differentiate the quality because it's like, how intently are they listening to the content being provided to them? You know, and and I think it's like with everything, especially what I do. You look at the full body of work, man. It's is it, it's appeasing to an audience. I mean, look at like the NFL package that they had on DirecTV. The NFL package was huge, dude. And people literally just buy DirecTV so that they can get every single NFL ticket so that they can watch every single NFL game. If the MLS is trajectory continues to grow and it's a 10 year deal, the MLS has only been around for a little over 25 years. Look at how much it's grown over the last 10 years, right? The trajectory that this league is growing, it's going to continue to grow. And over the next 10 years, it could be huge. Like this could be way huge. Now the thing that works against us as Americans is the fact that By and large, we are looking to capture the European market. And unfortunately, our matches are played when they're asleep. So they're not going to really be watching live stuff. They would actually have to be active fans of our league and go out of their way to either watch replays the next day or to wake up and interrupt their sleep to have to catch the matches live. Now, on the flip side of that, I will say that a benefit to this Apple is the consistency of the days. Once Apple takes over, my understanding is that matches are pretty much only going to be played on Wednesdays and Saturdays, unless a different network wants to 
buy a match on like a Sunday, you know, like an ESPN is like, Hey, I want to buy this match. So we're going to play it on a Sunday, prime time, whatever, whatever. But for the most part, now we're only going to have matches on Wednesdays and Saturdays, which I also like because it makes it easy to, to, to plan LAFC around your life. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the consistent match days as well, too. I'm a huge fan of the money coming into major league soccer and what that means for its growth and development. I do think the first five years of this deal benefit major league soccer. If it continues to grow at the rate it goes, the last five years of the deal might really benefit Apple. And, and, and that's kind of a win-win for both sides. Um, I just do hope the quality of the broadcast stays up. Uh, and I'm confident that, uh, the right people and the right voices will make themselves heard in order to make sure that the quality and content of those broadcasts is where they need to be. One last bit of news and notes before we get into our interview today. The Juneteenth jerseys that were worn by LAFC are going to be auctioned off to benefit Color the Water. And you can go ahead and check that out at MLSauctions.com. Just click on LAFC and you can charge in there and put bids on the game used jerseys, including that snazzy red goalkeeper kit, uh, both for John McCarthy and for Max Kripo. Um, It looks like a lot of the bids are still around the $150 to $160 mark, which is, by the way, the bidding started at $150. So there's not a whole lot of bids that have been placed on these kits at this moment. That's a pretty cool, unique opportunity to get your hands on some game-worn, charitable, good LAFC white linen kits with the coloring on the back from Juneteenth. It's pretty cool, Chris. Have you decided how many of these kits you're going to buy or which ones you're going to auction on, my friend? I looked into it, and I'm not buying any because I already have a match-worn Heart of Gold jersey, and so it's not it's not on my list of kits that I need to obtain anymore. I have my Jose What about C. that Fuentes. red goalkeeper kit, though, man? I think sick. Yeah. No, you're right. It is. If we would have won and it hadn't have been the game that Max had a like a, a brain fart and made a terrible errant pass, it might have been a different story. But, you know, I don't like I don't want that. What about the John McCarthy kit? I mean, there's there's no taint on that. He didn't play, though. I mean, is it really? I mean, he still wore it. He still wore no, it. It's no, bench worn. No he, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Let me tell you. Right. Do you ever watch these matches? Right. Like I am a huge. So for those of you that don't know, LAFC's equipment manager is a guy named Oliver Curry. One of the nicest guys I've ever met. And future guest of the show. I hope so. I hope Oliver wants to come on the show. I would love to know about Oliver's story, but I've always, because I was never, ever a good enough athlete to ever play anything past the high school level. We all know. So I always had a dream of like, man, I would love to be somebody that's still in the locker room, dude. And so then I resigned myself to wanting to be an equipment manager a long time ago, and it never happened. But I watch Oliver and I watch the equipment managers and how they do things, right? And even before Oliver, it was, uh, I think his name was Steve. Anyways, I digress. But all of the jerseys are in a duffel bag. The players that are not playing, they don't wear their jersey. He pulls it out of the duffel bag when they're about to get substituted in. So what I'm saying is, no, McCarthy did not wear his jersey. The goal, the back. He might have put it on for a photo op. Well, that's not match worn. It was brought to a match with the intent that he could wear it. <laughs> well, it's not worth 150 bucks, man. <laughs> Come on, it's for charity. No, it'll get bought. Somebody else will buy it. There have not been. I'm surprised. I thought for sure they would all be well above three, four hundred dollars by now, but you a lot what? of them are this, still at this a, is, still unbid this on. Is, 
you know what? I complain about this, but at the same time, I'm happy about this because it means I've got less competition, but there's really not too many cats that know about MLSauction.com. First of all, the MLS doesn't put a lot of stuff out there very often. And when they do, it's not like the branding and the advertising that they have this stuff for sale is not that great. So, you know, a lot of people don't even realize, you know, I'm with you folks. You have until July 5th to put in a bid on one of those Juneteenth kits again, uh, the proceeds are going to charity. So uh, let's not see all of them, you know, at least three or four of them right now have no bids on it whatsoever. That's pretty sad for, you know, limited edition, one of a kind, probably worth something someday. Although if it's not worth 150 bucks now, gosh, what does that say? I'm going to have to agree with you, Chris. I think people just don't know about it. So we're getting the word out. All right. I want to see bids on these kits by the time we get to the next show. Maybe we should do kit watch. Maybe over the course of now and every episode until July 5th, we should uh, keep tucking in and seeing, uh, you know, what exactly the pricing is going for just to keep people uh, abreast of what's going on. I'm looking at it right now. I was originally going to say, you know, some of the more marquee players on our team have bids. And then I go to a player like Latif Blessing that has no bids. But uh, Kellen Acosta's got three bids on it. Carlos Vela's got six bids on his. Let's see. Nobody for McCarthy. Nobody for Sifu. Nobody for Mario. Nobody for Arango. One for Hollingshead. One for Max Crepeau. I mean, Arango scored a goal in that jersey. Can't even get a bid. He's got. Oh, yeah. No bids. But there's 13 days. Hey, man. It, it'll it'll happen. Nothing for Apoku. Nothing for Palacios. I think people just don't know. Maybe what we should do is we should share this. Share it on our social media. You yeah, know we already tweeted it out yesterday, by the way, brother. Just uh, so go ahead and check out at LAFC S2S <laughs> on Twitter. You'll see it there. Ilya Sanchez has one. I'm just saying yeah. it's it. There's like maybe six or seven bids. Oh, two for Danny Trejo. Out a boy. Okay, now both his mom one, and his no, dad. No, see that one. That one is it. That's a debut jersey. See that one. That one I might have to reconsider. All right. All right. I'm glad I've talked you into this. Okay. I, you know, I don't even think I remember seeing Danny Trejo's the first time I looked at this. So I promise I won't tell your wife if you win the bid, man, I just might've got, I just might've told on myself, dude, if she listened to this episode, I don't know. Well, fingers crossed. uh, She misses this one. So uh, we'll see with that. Get out there again, MLSauctions.com. Click on the LAFC button or bid for another teams, man. I don't, you know, look, it's all money for charity, right? Uh, one-of-a-kind kits with the Juneteenth numbering on the back. But uh, that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for news and notes. We will be right back with our guest this week, Mario Ruben Monroy, joining us to represent the Empire Boys right after this. Hello, this is Jordan Harvey, and you're listening to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Joining us as our guest this week, repping the Empire Boys, we have none other than Mario Ruben Monroy. You know him as El Mariachi M-A-M-A, and give him a follow at mmonroy10 on all your social media platforms. Mario, welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Hi, guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, thanks for having me here. Um, I'm enjoying it, you know. For those of you who don't know Mario, he is somewhat of a legend. His sombrero has been oft borrowed by one Mamadou Fall in order to celebrate some of those North End goals when he's not cheering 90-plus in that North End. And we are definitely going to dive into the whole story behind you sharing your head there with Mamadou Fall and all the cool stuff that's transpired this season. 
But first things first, Amigo, we kind of want to reel it all the way back. We want to go to when the beautiful game entered your life. Do you remember when you fell in love with football? Oh, yeah, man. I fell in love um, just right away, you know. My dad, you know, rest in peace to him. He's the one that used to watch soccer a lot, or I should call it football now. And um, I just, you know, just watching with him every time. He's been right next to him, watching the Mexican League. Uh, what was the club that your father watched and that you grew up watching? Who was the Who was the club that you supported from the Liga MX? Yeah, so um, my dad was a big, a really big Chivas de Guadalajara fan, which I also became one too. I'm really <laughs> also big too. So I'm sure you're ecstatic about the Cabecito to America news that came out just yesterday. I mean, a little disappointed about that. I wish he would have came here instead. <laughs> I think there are a lot of the black and gold faithful that agreed with you on that one. So coming up, did you play the game at all? Were you ever involved in any outdoor games or were you just cheering through a television and on the sidelines? So, yeah, you know, it's like you say, you know, cheering from TV, also going to the stadium sometimes too. But I also did play soccer since I was little. I mean, the age I remember, maybe six or seven, playing defender, then going through middle school, playing defender, then going to high school, then I started playing goalie. So I played for the high school team. So now let me ask you something real fast, because, you know, LAFC has a, a, a little tournament coming up in a month and they're playing in SoFi Stadium and it's the, you know, Chivas USA, America, Galaxy and LAFC are all going to be playing. Right. And you're only going to be able to to wear one set of colors, man. So how <laughs> how as a you know, as a lifelong Chivas de Guadalajara fan and being an LAFC supporter, how do you decide which, how you're going to go and which team you're going to support? So since, you know, we're here, it's going to be here in LA, you know, I'm going to be with my people with my 3252. So I'll be wearing black and gold. You know, so speaking about your family, you have a bit of some stories of depression and things like that that have gone on in your family that you wanted to share with this community. And we really appreciate you being open about it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the struggles and, and some of the experiences that you personally have had? Yeah, of course. Um, You know, with to start with that, you know, everyone know, you know, I lost my dad from COVID. Uh, it was really hard for me. My dad was, you know, my dad, my mom, my best friend. A friend I can talk to, ask for advice. At the end of his days, he would come up to me for like advices. So we were getting close. So when he passed away, yeah, I hit depression. I didn't know right away until maybe a year later where I kind of kind of look at myself, focus on myself a little bit more because of a situation what happened when, well, there was someone I was with at the time and she decided it wasn't going to work out. So right after that, um, yeah, like I said, uh, I looked to myself and I was like, wow, I'm in the I'm in the bad stage. So going through all that, you know, going through a new job where I was doing drug driving and OTR, then sending me far away different states, and sometimes getting like a panic attack because I'm here like thinking, you know, about my dad, like how you know how that you know that was like one of the worst things in my life and you know now now I can say I'm not 100% I overcome it because I'm not I don't think I would never overcome it because there's there's always going to be that time where it's going to hit me again I lost my dad in 2018 
my dad passed away the day before the opening match at the bank of California stadium. And, you know, and it is, it's one of those things where, yeah, you, you do feel like there, you're going to have your good days, but you're also going to have those days where you really reflect. And especially a day like this past weekend when it was father's day, right? Like those are the days too, when, you know, you really reflect, but for my father, some of the things that always made me come have some comfort was the fact of being involved with sports and like seeing my sons grow up now and being involved in their sports those are you know those those values were instilled in me from my father being around me with sports and I'm sure that you share some of those same things especially when it comes to the LAFC community and being involved in football oh yeah I know you said it right something you know I love going every Sunday to the to the bank of the California you know I love being there 90 plus chatting for the team I love you know that's the way um overcoming like something that makes me live there are so many people in the course of the past few years that have kind of collectively experienced loss we've all gone through this together in a way that you know humanity hasn't really been through in our generation in our lifetimes right and so many people have really struggled to find ways to process their grief. And if there's somebody out there that's listening to this podcast that might be in a bad place, right? That's struggling, that's that's having a hard time keeping their head up. What advice would you give someone like that given what you've been through and what you've overcome? Yeah, well, the best, the best survival is um everyone's gonna be different. You know, the way I overcome is you know, day by day, accepting that they're gone. You know, with me, it was more because. Me and him had COVID at the same time, and I was in guilt saying that why he left and why I didn't. So I had to overcome that oxygen. But for me, it was um, it was a day day by day thing, and just trying to find that thing where it keeps you moving. I'm curious because I know that when it comes to the LAFC community, especially for those of us within a supporters group, it's so great to have these people around you that you can reach out to. And I'm curious, you know. How involved were the Empire Boys in helping you keep yourself focused on being a better person? And and maybe kind of rewind that back and tell us a little bit about how you discovered the Empire Boys and how you became a member of the supporters group. Oh yeah, well, you know, on that, you know, on that tough times, you know, they did reach out to me what I when I needed. And first of all, what I needed was prayers, you know, and then they they ended up doing a donation and that helped that helped a lot. It helped a lot. And um, yeah, and, you know, that's something that I will never take a granted. You know, that's something that where makes me want to do more, you know, more for the community. Because before all this, I, I, you know, I still did the community. I still helped out the community. And, you know, not just with this, but uh, I still want to continue doing that. The way I find Empire Boys is by the 3252 IG one day. I always, I used to just watch the early FC games by myself here at my house. And one time um, I went in IG on one of the stories for 32v2 and I meet them up right here at rallies. And tell us what, what it was like when you first heard about LAFC. Tell us that whole story of finding out that there was the announcement, finding out that there was a new club to support and what your first experience at the bank was like. Yeah, so, you know, we all know Chio USA was done. I used to go to their games. So once they were done, then right away, they were just announcing, oh, there's going to be a new team for LA. We just don't know yet. So, you know, I was just involved right away. Um, I wasn't involved how I am now, but I was like, you know what? That's the team I'm going to go for because 
I couldn't, I couldn't go for the other team for Carson. There was no way. It was just I never liked it. So, so yeah, like I said, I became a fan, and I started getting more involved. And my first experience in the bank was the first home game, which was one of the best games that still gives me the chills. That Simon go and the almost in the last minute. So that, that was my first song, Mary, at the, at the bank. So you meet up with uh, Empire Boys over at Rowdy's and you kind of become involved in the culture. So take us through the creation of the legendary hat. And of course, the moment in which that hat became famous throughout not only just the LAFC world, but maybe even to, as far as to say MLS and soccer as a whole. I mean, it's not every day. You know, you see a player from Africa put on a sombrero and get into the stands, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, yeah, so with the sombrero, first of all, my dad's from uh, Jalisco, Guadalajara. So, you know, Jalisco is known by a charro, sombrero. And one big artist I really loved hearing every day, especially, you know, <laughs> was uh, Vicente Fernandez. So my dad was my expire, but Vicente Fernandez was also seeing him, the way he dressed. I was like, dude, I want to dress like that guy one day. And, you know, going through that, um, you know, I started wearing it. Even before on LAFC, I would wear it for, like, other games, for Mexico games, sometimes for, like, baseball games. And first started LAFC, I would wear the one I would wear for Mexico. Then one time I went to Guadalajara, and I ended up finding the black and gold, and I was like, yep, I'm taking that one back home. So... I wore it for that first year, for the half of the season of, the, of our first year. Then that off season, I decided, you know what? I need to do something different with this sombrero. So there was one night I started, you know, I thought about it and I was, you know what? I'm going to put LA on, on top of it. That's where you see the LA on top of my sombrero. And I do have the logo, you know, in front of me of LASC. So, you know, I started wearing it every game and, you know, at that time, we had free play, and yeah, everyone would just come up to me, take a picture, and it was, it was something new to me. And I mean, those yeah, pictures have been taken by some legendary people, right? If, if memory serves correct, the soccer Don himself, Don Garber, once once <laughs> took a photo in it as well, too. Take us through that. Yes, correct. So we went. I went to the. I got invited to the press conference for the All Star Game when they announced it. When they um, yeah, announced it um. The president for Liga Mexicana was there. You know, Don Garner was there. So right after the press cops, he came to us. I believe there was like five of us, I want to say. Five of us uh, supporters. And he came up to us. We took a picture of him and he looks at me. And I looked at him. <laughs> and he goes, I want to wear that hat. And uh, so I had, another, I, I had another hat in my hand. And he's like, no, I don't want to wear that one. I want to wear that one. So he just grabbed it and I was like, look here, sir, this, you know, you're the boss. <laughs> so he grabbed it and then we took the picture. That picture, I, that picture's been around. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, I'm I'm looking at the some some photos of you in your sombrero. You have in one of the pictures, there's a, a picture on the brim. Is that correct? Who who what's yes. the what's the picture of and, and why do you, you know, what's the significance of it and why did you have it? Yeah, so when I look up, I look up to my dad. So yeah, of course, that's a picture of me and my dad when I first took him to a, a LASC game. If I'm, uh, that was the our second home game against Dallas, which I believe we tied that day, and it was a Cinco de Mayo game. So he's still with you every game that you head there and you wear that sombrero, right? Every game, every moment, every time in my life now. 
So speak in a moment, why don't you go ahead and take us through the goal celebration with Mama Dufall and how did that happen? And, and if memory serves correct, it's now twice that it's happened. So now it's, now it's officially become his thing. And how does it feel to be involved in a goal celebration? There's not too many fans in the world that get that kind of opportunity, let alone twice. So, I mean, you're, you're in a very unique position within the world of global football. I mean, speechless about that. Not everyone get the opportunity for a player to come up to you like that and celebrate it. Something that I will never, ever, ever forgive in my life. And a little quick story about that day, you know, it was September 3, which is my birthday that day. And that day I was sad all day. It was my second birthday without my dad. I wasn't going to go to the game. At the end, I did decide to go to the game. I went to the game and now I'm not even thinking. I think I even thought we were going to tie that day. I mean, I just remember him uh, scoring that goal and... He came off the couple and I just looked at him and I looked at him and one of the pictures, you can see me like trying to give it to him. So he didn't grab me at first, but once he got down the couple, he grabbed it and luckily a camera guy was there to take that picture. And, you know, it was just in the, a day I will never forget. And the second time he did ask for it, the second time he looked at me, he goes, give me the hat. <laughs> so I was like, here. It's yours. <laughs> so has he signed the hat? Have you guys had a chance to do a photo op together? Or is it just the only interaction with him live in the moment? Has he reached out to you after? Have you guys forged a, a little bit of a friendship over it? Um. So right after the first celebration, and this is where I got to say thanks to, um, you know, Uncle Rich. Uh, he told... Obligatory <laughs> LAFC Rich shout out. There, there we go. Must be one per episode. <laughs> Thank you for checking that box for us. We appreciate it. Yeah, LAFC Rich. And uh, he told, I think one of the practices, I believe that week, he told him my story. On Fought Instagram, on his story, he did uh, reach out to me saying that to the person that gave me my sombrero recipes to his dad. And uh, I did send him a message through IG. And, but I'll keep that, I'll keep that between me and him. It was something really uh, special and something that, yeah, I won't forget. And the second time, yeah, the second time, the second time on, I think uh, we took a picture on the training ground, I think that same week. And just this last game, he decided to give me his jersey. And yeah, something that I have with me right now. That's pretty dope. <laughs> So what are you going to do with the jersey? Is it getting framed? Is it going in a safe deposit box? Are you wearing it? What's the plan? Well, it's for sure getting framed. I'm waiting to get invited again to a practice so I can make him. Um, well, he can also sign if he wants to sign it for me. So once he signs it, then yeah, I'm gonna get it framed for sure. A lot of pundits are speaking very highly of Mamadou Fall and and the trajectory that he could one day be on, especially you know the potential of playing in Europe. You know, if you imagine. You know, looking at someone who in 10 years, you know, who knows where their career is going to be. But if he progresses the way that some are projecting him to be and he could be some type of international star and, you know, you go back to the humble beginnings of being at LAFC and the sombrero and things like that. I mean, those those are sometimes some of those images that live in infamy. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's going to be that one time that he's going to leave and it's going to be a sad and happy, you know, a sad and happy day for I think for all of us not just for me and I will say I will say this right now wherever he goes I will follow him and I will go visit him <laughs> wherever he goes 
And maybe I'm going to, who knows, maybe I'm going to retire that sombrero and just give it to him. Well, I, I think everyone in the black and gold is a lifelong Mamadou Fall fan now, as well as he's played for us in a short amount of time. And I hope he's here for a while longer, but uh, I definitely see clubs circling him. And I would not be surprised if he departed the club sooner or rather than later. I would love to see the sombrero thing become his thing and whatever club he goes to, he gets a sombrero in those colors and stashes yeah. it somewhere at the end of the stadium. When he scores his goal, puts a sombrero on in homage to you, my friend. But that kind of brings us to our next question of what do you think about this current roster, this current LAFC team? What do you feel about the form that the club is in and with the window opening and players likely coming and going, what would you like to see the front office do with this squad? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're in first place. We're, we're this, you know, supporters your leader. But a lot of us, we ain't happy with the team, the way they're playing. And we do have a lot of depth. I feel like this this is one year we have a lot of depth. And I feel like we just, we're, we're going for the MLS Cup. I think we could play way better. First place for me, you know, we all know first place for us is nothing. We already won the Shield. I wouldn't mind winning it again. I really don't mind winning it again. But I just feel like this team can play better. And with the new signing with uh, Giorgio Chiellini. There we go. I'm really happy for him to come. Really, really happy for him to come. He's going to pick up that defense, especially Fall. I think he's going to learn a lot from him. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for that first game. And, we you know, we, we all hope it's that, that game. The Derby. The Derby yeah. of the season. Man, LAFC better bring it that day. I'm just saying, you know, we can't continue to uh, have these games haunt us. So, you know, you talked a little bit about how the team has been in this position before. How do you see the season progressing and where do you think LAFC is going to end their season and what's your overall expectation? Yeah, I think um, I think we're going to win the Shield. I really, I, I, I really believe so. I don't think, um, think uh, we have a good ahead of points. And now with this two weeks that we had rest, hopefully um, the guys that were injured will come back, you know, better. You know, yeah, I know we just played a game against Seattle. It didn't look like a team that hasn't played for two weeks. But hopefully with the more season that, you know, we play games and, you know, especially on Sunday against the Red Bulls, hopefully we can come back with the win. And from there, it's just start winning like like we, we have on the first half of the season. If you were John Thorrington and you could make one tweak to this team, what's your one tweak to this team? Where's the signing that you want to see this team bring in? Yeah, well, first, first, what's going to happen to Vela? <laughs> I think that's the first question in our mind. What's going to happen to Vela? I'm a really big Vela fan. I want him to stay. I want him to lift that trophy. But, you know, I know at the end of the day for him is business. So whatever he does... That's what he does. And um, I think one, um, if I can pick one in position in the field, it will be in a, a midfield attacker, a number 10 behind the nine. I think that's what we need. That's what we need more improvement on. Were you able to go to any of the, the matches that were in Mexico during the Conca Champions run in 2019 and 2020? Yeah, I was there uh, when we played Leon. Okay. So if LAFC were to go, I would see, I, I got it all played out of my mind, man. LAFC wins the supporter shield and gets our entry back into the Conca champions for next year. And then you bring the sombrero into Mexico and Mama Dufal throws on the sombrero <laughs> after scoring a goal in Mexico against one of the Liga and Mekis teams. I see it, bro. I see the vision. I see it. 
I'm looking for that opportunity to get back into Conca Champions for sure. You know, whether it be the Supporter Shield or the MLS Cup, doesn't matter to me, bro. I just I want to be able to participate in the international game. I don't know. I have a feeling Mario's going to be with the 3252 if we go back down to Mexico, and I would imagine that's pretty oh, far that's from the probably. field. But if <laughs> you just get a perfect too. toss, maybe get that sombrero to land uh-huh. right there next to fall. That would be quite a risk and uh, hey, quite a moment. You know what? We just need to get him field pass bro have him go with rich bro get a field pass on the team dude and then and then we'll get make it happen but then he won't be singing and chanting with 3252 and i don't know man i don't know if it's gonna happen mario (laughs) brother we we really really appreciate you coming on the show today and and talking us through some difficult stuff that you've been through and, and some amazing experiences you've had that millions and millions of fans across the world have only ever dreamt of being part of and uh we do just have one final question for you amigo before we send you home today and it's uh you may have seen this one coming uh shoulder to shoulders the name of the show it's the mantra behind the team and yet it seems to be interpreted differently by so many people so mario amigo what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you yeah man just one word man love and you know just to add on that this is you know no matter what, if one of us need help, we will always be there shoulders to shoulders, no matter what. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Folks, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with this week's opponent correspondent to get us all ready for the upcoming game. Catch you on the other side. This is Will Koontz, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Folks joining us to preview our match versus the New York Red Bulls from I-80 Sports Podcast and I-80 Sports is Bob Ventimiglia. Bob, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having us, John. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Um, Before we dive into the Red Bull, why don't you tell the fans a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the beautiful game? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I-80 Sports is a full podcasting network. Started out with... Uh, NFL and fantasy sports content. I'm an NFL contributor there. I do uh, season long projections for every player in the NFL. And, you know, that's kind of where we fell in love with podcasting. But me and my uh, buddy were also major league soccer season ticket holders. And we kind of saw a a hole in the industry. Uh, There's a lot of independent podcasts. There's probably six or seven LAFC specific podcasts. Very few people who talk about the league, uh, league wide, especially from a betting perspective. Now, Major League Soccer, uh, fantasy is is not where it's at. So we decided to focus on sports betting from the sports book perspective. I write articles every week. You can find them at i80sports.com that focus on MLS Sportsbook. It's one of the only places you can find that content. You can also find us every um, major podcast platform. Just search for ID Sports or youtube.com backslash i80 sports. Brilliant. Well, fans, definitely a great follow if you're looking to keep up on your sports betting for MLS or to just keep tabs on things that are going around across the league. So specifically today, we want to get our fans geared up for this weekend's matchup at the bank versus the Red Bulls. So why don't you give us a little bit of the state of the union for the team right now? Currently sitting second place in the East. Your two wins clear of a playoff line sitting at seven, four and five with 26 points on the season from the fan base. And from the intellectual perspective, what do you think is the state of the union for the Red Bull right now? So right now, uh, this game doesn't matter. We're, we're worried about the midweek game versus NYCFC. It's a rivalry game and, uh, you know, a ticket to the U.S. Open Cup semifinals. So that is what we're focused on here right now. But as for Red Bull as a team, 26 goals scored, 17 conceded. Very similar to what LAFC has produced so far this season. 
but their uh, five, one and two away record really shows that they're the road warriors this year. And I think that's because the style of play, they play good against aggressive teams, players, uh, you know, aren't going to sit back and take on pressure at home. They're going to look to get after you. And Red Bull has absolutely taken control of those games. Um, you know, we, we talk about energy drink football a lot and people, you know, in New York cringe when they hear that phrase, that's exactly what we have here. High press, timely turnovers. They're taking advantage of mistakes and causing errors, especially in the uh, attacking third, you know, it's all about disruption. We have three of the top 10 players in attacking third pressures in the league, all on our team. And two of them aren't even full-time players. So that just really shows you a, the, the go get them attitude. We don't really have DPs you're going to worry about, but we have a DP coach in uh, Struber and a DP caliber goalie in Carlos Cornell, one of the best in major league soccer. I think underrated. I would put him as probably the top goalie in major league soccer. Well, you do have a DP that has made himself onto team of the week that has certainly had a meteoric sure. rise since coming over from Ligia Warsaw on the Polish side. So tell us a little bit about the addition of Lukinas and what he has done to the squad. Sure. So he has five goals, two assists, um, slotting in at wing and center attacking midfield. He starts out wide, cuts in the center, and you'll see a lot of his golazos are like right over center. He has fit in well with the attacking style. And that's not something you could say about every player. When you're playing a high press system, there's a lot of running. There's a lot of physicality involved and a lot of players around the world who are excellent players in their own right. Wouldn't necessarily fit into that system. But I think uh, Laquinas definitely has that he's, he's hot. He's two goals versus DC. And he had that banger against Toronto that really got him the uh, player of the week this week. I think it was goal of the week too. Um, he is certainly skilled, one of the most skilled players who's ever been on this team. I see him as a number 10. Uh, he lines up as a winger, um, but he, you know, creates chaos and he he only scores bangers. That's what you need to know. And and he's really the, the tipping point guy right now. If, um, you know, play will look a little boring, there'll be, you know, playing with the ball in their opposition half. And we're looking for that individual moment of brilliance. He's really the only brilliant player on this team. Everyone else. And we have some very good skilled players. They're not the guy to look for when the magic needs to happen. Uh, that's what Laquinas is, is, and that's what he's meant to be on this team. Now, obviously, here on the West Coast, with time differences and with coverage, we really do not get to watch a lot of Red Bull games. So I would say our fan base, for the most part, does not know this roster very well. So if you could take us through a couple of the key role players, maybe not the big, splashy international signings that'll make news out here on the West Coast, but those just day in and day out, putting in the grind kind of players that you expect to perform in this matchup versus the Black and Gold. Sure. And that that's the one thing that I, I have to say about this Red Bull team. They're a volume team. It's based on pressure, high press, energy, being more fit than their opponents, running faster, running longer, running harder than their opponents. They, I mean, if you look, they are top five in shots and top five in shots on target. They also have the lowest shots against in Major League Soccer. So it's a volume standpoint. We're not taking the most skilled shots, the best shot opportunities. We're not going to have the highest expected goal ratio. But when you're putting in, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14 shots per game and only giving up four, five, six, you're going to put yourself in a position to win. So of those players who are going to, to, to do that for the team, it's really more on the defensive and, and fast turnaround side of the ball. 375 tackles, 235 wins both top of major league soccer in, in, in those uh, categories. 
Also, 57 tackles in the attacking third. That's pressure. That's what we're looking for, winning the ball in those places. When I look at three players who are absolutely the top of this team, Lewis Morgan, seven goals, one assist, plays basically either wing, although I think he's more more, uh, adept at the left side. Great addition from Miami. We got him kind of for free. He was a fan favorite in Miami, and I love when I I found out he was going to be over here. Fits in really, really well, and he's, again, it's pressure. It's being constant on the ball. He has 384 pressures, most in Major League Soccer, and 133 of them are in the attacking third. From a winger, that is what we're talking about when we see this system. He is just um, just energy for days, running, hard work ethic, and it's paid off. He has seven goals and assists. He's actually our goal leader so far this season. You also have Frankie Amaya, someone that we've talked about a whole ton from Cincinnati. Only two assists this year. But again, 51 tackles attempted, 34 tackles won among the top in Major League Soccer. He was playing almost as like a number 10 over in Cincinnati. Red Bull saw him and said, no, you know what? You're a number six. We're going to put you next to whoever. Yearwood, he's been playing really well with recently. um, And he's really controlling the ball from midfield, which against a team like LAFC, you know how important that's going to be with Acosta, Sofuentes, Ilya Sanchez. You really want to win those one-on-one battles and and take control of the ball in midfield. And the last player I would say is uh, Sean Nealis. He's one of two brothers on the team. Um, He was drafted by Red Bull. His brother was drafted by Miami and came here a little bit later. He is the only player in Major League Soccer to play every competitive minute for his team this season, Open Cup and regular season. Slotted in next to Aaron Long. Aaron Long takes a lot of the uh, accolades but a lot of the work has been Sean Nealis. He's a really, really big guy, and he looks like he gained 30 pounds of muscle over the offseason. Um, he was one of those big, big center backs. Um, top six in the league in interceptions. And, uh, you know, I really think a lot of Red Bull success early on this season is only allowing 17 conceded goals. And Sean Nealis, although he's kind of an unsung hero, he should be sung. And it's a lot of the reason why Red Bull's in the situation that they are. So I would say LAFC fans probably get to watch a lot of your family clubs. I mean, as far as RB Leipzig or Salzburg, those teams do get some coverage over here. And we've kind of seen a consistent style of play throughout the entire Red Bull world. But how would you describe specifically how that mentality is interpreted there in New York slash New Jersey? As far as how are they implementing the Red Bull system and how would you describe their style of play? Yeah, so, so the Red Bull system is, is going to be pressure. It's going to be exciting soccer, although that hasn't always been exciting in New York. They, they want to press. They want to get up. And because of that kind of synergy and style, they can move players up from one team, you know, from New York to Brazil to Leipzig to Austria and kind of have a little bit of continuity. You know, you're not looking for, you know, a low pace uh, sniper. You're looking for the energetic play. Um, as for what Struber has put together at Red Bull, um, I would expect to see in most cases a three-man to five-man back line. You know, the five-man when you're defending, three-man when you're attacking. Uh, I see a lot of verticality up the wings. Um, if you see, you know, Tolkien uh, on the one side and maybe Dylan Nealis on the other, they kind of control the whole wing up and down. So they can get all the way up next and stand next to the goal if they want to. And But then the responsibility is to track all the way back. You see a lot of defensive responsibilities by Amaya, Caceres, Drew Yearwood, whoever's playing that midfield position to cover back in those instances. Um, when Red Bull gets taken advantage of, it's because they get caught with their wingers playing too high 
up the field. But when, when we look at this team uh, under Struber, that's kind of what I see the three man back line, not a four man back line. We haven't really had true fullbacks in quite some time, but with the center backs, we have Aaron Long, Sean Ellis, Tim Edwards, who's kind of a convert um, that that's the, the style they're going to play. And they're going to come out and they're going to be competitive in every single game. But when they lose, it's kind of erratic. You know, that's the thing about being this high pressure team. If a team sits back with four guys, five guys, very hard to break that down. Now we've seen a little bit of Laquinas kind of getting into that space and being that individual moment of brilliance guy, but it's not perfect yet. We, we lost against Cincinnati. We lost against inter Miami, two teams that no one has any business, but then we'll go out and, and, and smack some big, big clubs in the face. This team is built to play against a team like LAFC. They're built for a playoff run. And it's because of, of the energy making you guys, you know, LAFC is going to beat themselves. It's not, it's not going to be Red Bull who, who's going to beat them if they're going to go ahead and, and win this game. I think Red Bull has a good chance. I think LAFC is a, a great ball club. But uh, if they can, you know, play their game style, it's an attractive brand of football. It's shots on net. It's, it's getting in the important uh, parts of the field and winning their one-on-one battles. Red Bull have twice as many wins on the road this season as they have at home. What do you think has been the secret sauce for that success when traveling? So there's a couple things. Uh, the one is their ability to play like players, regardless of the name on the sheet, right? Like I would expect Amaya and maybe Caceres to play, but otherwise it's Amaya in Yearwood or Amaya and the next guy up and they just plug them in. There's no... Um, and I don't know if this is a knock on the team or not, but there's no, you know, players that you need to have this guy, you know, outside of those wingers, Laquinas and uh, Lewis Morgan, anyone else, Tolkien, you can replace them, you know, like, like they're all, uh, players who are an archetype where everyone on the bench just can kind of slot in. So I think part of it is that, is that, um, you know, we're going to be tired. We have a Wednesday game. We're playing you guys on Sunday. Is it Sunday this weekend? Um, there's going to be road squad rotation, but the squad rotation on Red Bull, just like on Leipzig, like in Brazil, these guys can just replace each other, filling a lot of good substitutions. Um, and that is part of it, I think. And I think part of the reason why they're a little better away than at home is because teams at home play more aggressively. And Red Bull eat that aggression and turn it against them to where, you know, we lost against Miami and Cincinnati at home, two games you should not be losing. But when players, especially Cincinnati, they're kind of known for bunkering five or six behind the ball and you can't break that down. And you're like, okay, guys attack against us so we can turn it around on you. And if they're not going to play that style and they get a goal early, they can take you out. So I I think, you know, the, the teams who play for one point away and two points at home, those are the team Red Bulls are, are going to eat up, but, but the teams who are going to constantly look for wins, those are the situations where Red Bull can play that counter, can play, play that press and use your own uh, force against you. LAFC, certainly a team that is trying to go for the points in every match they're in. I don't think I've ever seen this team bunker down and play some anti-football, but obviously here we are obsessed with our LAFC and and know the squad forward and backward and watch every match. But it's always interesting to hear the perspective on our club from someone 
across the nation, right? And so I'm curious sort of what is the perception of LAFC within the RBNY fan base and, and across greater New York as a whole? Well, I think, uh, you know, being LA Galaxy's little brother, you know, that's kind of a, a, a chip you guys carry well. Um, you have some great attacking players over the course of the last few years. And, uh, you know, Carlos Vela, I'm, I'm, I'm uninspired by his play so far this season. I really want him to be that, you know, 30 goal scorer that we think he can be. Um, Arango, obviously, you guys have a lot of stars. Jose Sofuentes is probably your best player on the field. Like, let's be honest, over the past five games. Um, uh, to be honest, I don't think Red Bull uh, thinks about you very much. <laughs> you know, and I, and I guess that's one of the reasons I'm here. You guys don't think about us much either. Um, what we do love being on the East coast is putting on these MLS games at 10 30, 11 o'clock on a Friday, Saturday night in this MLS after dark, just craziness happens. Um, it's like as CONCACAF as CONCACAF could be just seeing some of the, the wild things that go down there. I don't like betting on LAFC or the galaxy. Um, cause I just never really know what we're going to see. I mean, LA galaxy could win this game six, nothing that that's not outside the realm of possibilities. Red Bull going there and, and, and smacking one on LFC. That's not outside the realm of possibility in this game either. So, um, yeah, I just, I see a lot of, you know, stars, a lot of, you know, the glitz, the glamour, it's LA. That's, that's what it is. And, and you, you've cultivated a, a tradition of winning. And then, you know, I like to see that. So I guess that brings us to your predictions for this matchup. And I agree with you. This is a really hard one to predict. Two teams that rarely ever play against each other. I think there might be a slight advantage to LAFC given that you have a derby game midweek. And that certainly is going to be the focus of the attention of not only team, but the fan base this week before you make that trip out to the West Coast, time change, travel, and all that. Given that you're played a rough hand having to come straight out of the derby and travel into this match, what ultimately are your predictions if you were placing a bet on this game? So I have a couple of predictions. Um, we, we are also short players. Caden Clark and Daniel Letterman are with the under 20 uh, U.S. men's national team right now. So there are those things. I'm going to predict that uh, NYCFC is what matters. And we're going to worry about L.A. when we, it's time to worry about L.A. Um, it is a, 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 quite a travel from New York, but luckily we're playing home. So the players have been home for, you know, three days now. Um, it's It's been, you know, oh, no, actually, I guess our last game was at home. So we've been home for... Sometime we have to get on a play and travel to LA, which is a favorable. You want to go east to west. You don't want to travel west to east. So I, I don't think it's going to be that bad. It depends on what players um, come out healthy. I would expect them to call up a couple of Red Bull 2 guys and just plug them and play them. And, you know, that's the system. That's the goal. The goal is to be able to say, okay, um, Frankie, my, you're too tired for this game. We're going to plug, uh, you know, Drew Yearwood in instead, or, you know, um, Edwards, you need the night off Lucas Monzone. It's, it's your time to go. So it, with, although it's not the priority, they're going to field a competitive squad and they're going to look to take those teams. So usually when I do my betting, I give like pluses and minuses based on how fresh the team is. Maybe a team will get like one minus or two minus if they start a midweek game with all their starters, I would give it like, you know, like a little, little tiny check, like, okay, this team is going to be a little tired. They do play very high press soccer, but they're also better in shape than any other team in major league soccer. So, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> is that an easy way to say, um, your fullbacks are going to be in for a day. Uh, who's that going to be uh, Palacios, maybe Hollingshead. They're, they're going to be in for a day. They, they have some assignments to work on, but you know, over the top notice, I haven't talked about a number nine yet. We don't know who that is. We have, Patrick Clamala, 
He's good ish scores five goals, but he's not a Bradley Wright Phillips replacement. So when we, we look at these, these situations, um, we don't know. We have no idea. Um, I would expect Red Bull to play a strong game. And I think our play styles are complementary in Red Bull's favor. Uh, but LAFC at LAFC, it's something we need to experience. And until the guys are there, I, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell you. Yeah, I think this is one of the hardest games to predict on the schedule. Um, I don't bet on Red Bull, by the way. Um, (laughs) I I just I just don't know. We'll we'll kick teams in the mouth and then lose really, really easy games. I don't know. I don't know. What are the odds on this game? Do you know what the the sport? You know, uh, being a person who is absolutely atrocious at sports betting, because I often bet with my heart and not with my mind. And and I've frankly abandoned all sports betting whatsoever. (laughs) It just gets me overly frustrated. And uh, I just uh, choose to sit back, drink my beer, cheer my team on and and enjoy the wins or losses without putting any money on it personally. But what is the line? Even money. Red Bulls plus 230. So um, you, you can win some money betting on Red Bull. And, and I think if these teams played three times, Red Bull wins one. Yeah, I agree. LAFC probably wins one. And 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 who knows what the deciding game would end up being. I do feel like these squads line up well against each other. LAFC's classic free-flowing 4-3-3 uh, against a five at the back that likes to overload on the outsides as well, too. I think, you know, that's that's the key to beating this team with us having three aged outside backs that... Uh, you know, really have been exposed at times this season, both in their fitness and in the lack of depth with Kim Moon Wan being sent back over to Korea. We're certainly short, just just three players in those outside positions. And most games you'll see all three of them come in with the second half substitution at some point in time. So I agree we're likely to see Palacios. We're likely to see Hollingshead and Escobar is probably going to get some minutes as well, too. But you know, which player ends up having to go the whole 90 and, you know, can a team consistently pressure and expose that side of this LAFC team could be the key to victory there as well, too. And and it could be because Lewis Morgan, if you look just a couple of games ago when we played against Charlotte, he uh, lit up. I think it was awful. Um, just lit him up the whole game. Then he was subbed out early because he had a Wednesday game, but it was just it was constantly every single time the ball was getting up that side of the field. Lewis Morgan was winning. Lewis Morgan was getting into um, some positions. So it's going to be tough there. Um, this team, again, they're they're not great against the most skilled players, which makes me scared against LAFC. But they're a team, you know, they're going to get the first clearance in the box. These center backs, um, you know, Nailis, Aaron Long, great in the air. But, you know, you got Kellen Acosta on set pieces. I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I know how skilled he is with the ball at his feet, but can Kellen Acosta cover the whole midfield? Because these young guys, we're going to have two 18-year-olds on Ilya Sanchez. Like, there's no idea what roster they're putting out, but I know that's going to be a spot where they're going to look to capitalize. Great player. Not meant to play against the Red Bull system. And, and you got to pass the ball fast. So I'm looking over the roster. Who is going to get stuck with the ball at their feet? Um, is it going to be so Is it going to be Kellen Acosta, Elie Sanchez? You know, um, when they're pressuring the outside wing backs and pressuring the center backs, who is going to be the guy to turn it over in the box and give Red Bull a, a quick shot back on net? I, I don't know. I, I, I think Red Bull has a little bit of an, of an advantage there, but um, <laughs> it just it's so hard. It's so hard when you don't see teams play against like opponents when you're in different divisions to even find a spot to, to, to point out, we can talk in a couple of weeks and have a completely different, you know, view on what happens today. 
And I think LAFC fans, there's obviously the massive question mark around Carlos Vela. His performance so far over the course of the last couple seasons has not been up to his 2019 performance. And frankly, the contract is not signed. This could be his second to last game with the black and gold. And is Carlos Vela going to go out there and perform like a player who's frustrated the club hasn't signed him and is seeing the out? Or is he going to go out there and play like a player who's fighting in potentially his second to last game to earn that contract? And I think a lot of the black and gold faithful at this point in time have been looking for Carlos to step up and say, this is why I deserve that contract. But frankly, since that hat trick he scored in the first game of the season, we haven't seen a whole lot from Carlos Vela that leads us to believe he's going to be with this team for an extended period of time. And, you know, we could be looking at this being Carlos Vela's second to last performance with the team. And how does he want to exit? What stamp does he want to leave? And he's certainly a player capable at any point in time when he chooses to do so of taking an entire game on himself and being the deciding factor or you know, he can go hidden throughout the course of 50, 60 minutes where he's not involved. And I think your guess is as good as mine, which Carlos Vela we see this weekend. Absolutely. And I kind of see him almost like a Ladero in, in, in that um, they're so good. They're so skilled on the ball. They can take that over. But I think it was um, I think it was Ladero like led the team, led the league five years in a row and like the most fouled player. Um, Carlos Vela is not necessarily built for Major League Soccer. The way I see him, he, he I don't want to say soft. I'm not saying the word soft, uh, but he's not going to have that space in this game. This is going to be a very physical game. Red Bull comes out, and I don't think they're dirty, but they close down so fast. There is a lot of incidental contact. There are a lot of times where, you know, they'll get in front of the ball and you fall into them and they'll bump into you. So I, I don't think this is a great game for Carlos Bella if he thinks he's going to just come, you know, run around in space. He's going to get, uh, you know, I, I hope we packed his shin guards for this one because he's not going to be able to play the game he wants to play. It's not going to be the beautiful game. It's going to be, you know, jerseys coming for you. And that kind of puts a lot of the onus on the officiating for the match as well, too. If there's a lot of whistles in this game, I think that really benefits LAFC having people like Acosta and Vela to be able to take those set pieces. But uh, if the ref is swallowing the whistle and letting them play, that could certainly be advantage to you. And, and that is a big factor. And, and I'm not entirely sure who the assigned ref is for this game yet, but uh, it, it could swing the pendulum either direction, depending on who gets that assignment. Of course. And, and, you know, that one kind of goes both ways, which is strange because Red Bull is so good against um, like the first play on a set piece because they have those two tall center backs. They got guys, you know, Aaron Long can score. He can get in the box, but when that whistle blows, you kind of have time to mark your man again. And, and I think that that might give Red Bull some time to close down. And like I said, there, there's been no consistency on this team where you can say, give the ball to Chicho. There's no Chicho on this team. You're going to need to be creative, pass the ball around, get those guys into space. You know, Patrick Klamala, we assume he's going to be the striker, but he seemed to have lost the job. Ashley Fletcher stepped in. He didn't do very well. The number nine is an open position, and it kind of seems like, you know, I said we're a volume team. We're going to get more shots than you. We're going to look to capitalize on these low percentage shots. Um, shoot, 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 shoot. And, and when you have a guy like Patrick Klamala, who, you know, we haven't talked about very much, um, was signed last year with another guy, Fabio, because Red Bull knew they had a number nine problem. And both of these guys played exceptionally well. But when you have someone who hits four posts a game and they're always just a little unlucky, you got to stop saying it's unlucky and start saying, okay, he's just, you know, a hair away from the guy we need. And, and that's what makes it interesting because Klamala could have three amazing goals. 
but most likely he's going to sky to hit the post two or three times. And, you know, these little instances can mean so much to a game. This Red Bull team is at their best when they are in the lead. If they score one, they're going to score four just because it opens their offense up. They can relax. They can take a few more chances that they might not have been able to otherwise. And when you take those chances playing in a system like this, you're going to capitalize. You're going to put some some goals in the net. Red Bull plays very boring soccer until that first strike. And once that happens, the offense opens up the playbook, you know, becomes available to them. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Wow, we are eager to see how this result plays out. Hopefully we get a beautiful free-flowing game and uh, lots of goals, right? I don't care if it goes either way. Let's get lots of goals. Those are always the most fun games to be at. Well, I care whether it goes either way. But, uh, hey, as long as we beat NYCFC, uh, you know, kick the pigeons out of New York tonight, um, all is happy. It would be very interesting to see LAFC. These are both two teams that have playoff ambitions. And make no mistake about it, while Red Bull can put up stinkers and lose some very easy games, they can go out and beat you too. Remember, this is a team that beat Chelsea just a couple of years ago. They're facing off, um, uh, you know, this summer. I think this could be, who knows, maybe an MLS Cup uh, preview. Ooh, there you're here to hear first, your MLS Cup preview. Well, folks, once again, our opponent correspondent this week has been Bob Ventimiglia joining us from I-80 Sports. Please give them a follow at I-80 underscore sports. Bob, thank you so much for coming and joining Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast this week. Of course, and thank you for having me. Brilliant. Folks, we will be right back after this short break with the final segment of today's show. Yo, this is Shavo from System of a Down, and you're listening to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. All right, Chris, you've had a chance to listen to the segment where we get all prepped up for this game versus the New Jersey energy drinks. So it's the battle of number one in the West versus number two in the East, the Road Warriors themselves. Who do you think is taking home points this weekend at Bank of California Stadium? I think that we are. You know, um, it- I definitely think that LAFC is going to be the better team come this weekend. I mean, New York Red Bull have definitely been playing well as of late. And we don't have a lot of history with the New York Red Bull. We've only played them a handful of times. But I would like to believe that that LAFC is going to come out and play well. I think that there is a, still a little bit of that juggling with the schedule. They, they do have a match on Wednesday against uh, FC Dallas. So... You know, it, it it is it is a bit of of you know, and FC Dallas is a team that's that's fair trend. I mean, up until recently, they were sitting in second place in the West. So uh, these next two matches are definitely matches where you know you want to walk away with points and and as me, uh, the six points as best as possible. But you're going to have to try and balance your roster to accommodate. I think what scares me the most about this Red Bull team is how well they play on the road. They, they have just two wins this year at home. They got five wins on the road already, and we're not even to the end of June. That is that is really, really good road performance, right? So whatever happens, they have the secret sauce when it's going from the hotel to the pitch. You got an LAFC team that's that's kind of sputtering right now. The strong start that we had to this season you know, look, we've had some great results. We've had some poor results, but we haven't really had one of those games where all of us step back and say, this LAFC team is firing. Like it's clicking right now. Things are going well. You know, we have potential departures. We have 
maybe one or two games left in Carlos Vela's LAFC career, which it certainly doesn't seem like it's trending that way, given everything we've heard. But heck, we're, we're two games away from that contract being up and, and still no extension having been announced. So, you know, you have Carlos Vela with one foot in or out of this team. Who knows? You have the talk of people coming in. We know Chiellini's already signed. What does that mean for the performance of our center backs that are already on this pitch? Now that they know that there's that fire coming in from Italy behind them to potentially take some of their minutes. There's just a lot in flux right now. And let's be honest, LAFC have done a great job of beating teams that are low in the table. LAFC have really struggled against teams that are towards the top of the table. We've seen this in matches already this year. And so, you know, to just offhandedly assume that LAFC are going to take down this New Jersey team is, is not something that I'm, I'm 100% confident in. Am I rooting for the black and gold? Do I want them to win this game? Sure. But I think if we walk away with a tie, then that's not that's not the worst thing that you could possibly expect versus a team that's sitting in second place in their conference. But uh, I'm, I'm more concerned simply with not necessarily the results, but with the performance. I, I want to see this team start to click. I want to see them have those moments of free-flowing, beautiful football. I want to see some stalwart defending. I want these players to really look like they've taken a step back in health. I want to start seeing Eddie Segura get out there and get involved and look like the Eddie Segura that we all know and love. Uh, I want to see our outside backs stay healthy because we're, we're short there. I want to see them perform well, but you know, I want to see them avoid some injury and let's get some cohesion going on up top there. You know, Raito in out Arango has been killing it. Vela in out. I just like to start seeing some play that looks like the free flowing and beautiful LAFC that we've come to love. Uh, here in this Dolo era where we're going through a bit of a skid at the moment. But that's my two cents on the upcoming match. I do think LAFC walks away with the points. I think it's probably 2-1 LAFC is going to be my prediction. Sir, what's yours? You know, part of me really feels like I am going to get that 2-0 shutout. But, you know, the last time I did this, I went on a 2-0 shutout for like five matches in a row. And I, I can't I can't take that kind of loss again. 1-0. I think LAFC is going to win 1-0. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Brilliant. All right, well, there you have it. Both of us predicting an LAFC win versus none other than the New York Red Bulls. All right, folks, we'd like to really appreciate y'all listening to this week's episode. We'd like to thank Mario Ruben Munroy for joining us as our guest this week from the Empire Boys. We'd like to thank Bob from I-80 Sports for popping on as our opponent correspondent. With that, that'll go ahead and wrap us up for episode 124. Take us home, Sticks. To show them together this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC Dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Keep us old mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.